You're listening to Terrible Omens. I'm Elaine Gray. Chapter 9 I've always been weirdly aware of my own mortality. As a little girl, I was unreasonably worried about what happens when you die, even though death itself was more of an abstract concept rather than a tangible experience. At least once a year, I was forced to endure the stories about Jesus and the crucifixion, but despite all of the torture, things seemed to turn out okay in the end. In fact, based on my brief time in Sunday school, it always seemed to me that I should be looking forward to death, even if the descriptions of heaven sounded pretty dull. Walking around on streets of gold and singing praises over and over again for eternity sounded more like nicely decorated punishment to me. Still, I found the whole Christian outlook on death and the afterlife to be pretty confusing. If everybody was saved and going to heaven, then why were we all procrastinating and hanging out here? And if heaven is so great, why does everybody cry so much when someone dies? It always seemed to me like a party would be more appropriate than a funeral. My Sunday school teacher told me that it was a thoroughly inappropriate thing to say and that my family must be Irish. I didn't know what that meant, but I thought maybe it would be nice to be Irish. My mom didn't make me go back after that and told my grandparents that she was leaving my religious future up to me. Even without church and without being baptized, I never really feared death. What I feared was dying. That was the sticking point for me. Pain didn't excite me at all, and every story in every history class I ever took ended up with lots and lots of people dying brutal, horrifying deaths. There were wars where people were tortured and blown apart, racial and cultural genocide where people were tortured and torn apart, ancient religious rituals where people were tortured and cut apart. Everything seemed to end with torture and coming apart somehow. Even the seemingly good stuff, like doctors courageously treating the sick, often ended with suffering and painful dismemberment. As they say, sometimes the cure is worse than the disease. I don't know who they are, but that had to come from somewhere. When I was a kid, I saw ghosts and spirits all the time. It wasn't like what you see in the movies or on TV. They weren't my invisible friends. I never talked to the strange lady in the hall like she was a perfectly normal person just hanging around outside my room. I might not have known exactly what they were at the time, but I knew that they were not flesh and blood. I knew that they were something else, and I knew that other people had no idea they were there. Sometimes they scared the hell out of me, especially the shadowy ones that lingered in doorways and around corners. I could see them peering around corners and watching me from down the hall while I ate dinner every night. There were only a few times that they ever got any closer than that, but those times were memorable since they were usually punctuated by the shaking of my bed or the rattling of a ceramic bunny on my dresser. My mother told me I had a vivid imagination, but I saw her checking every now and then as she walked a little faster through the dimmer parts of the house. Most of the time, though, my ghosts were just hanging around like translucent people watching me. They were still frightening, but I got used to them eventually. They were just a part of the world, like mosquitoes in the summertime. They're always around to annoy you, but you know they must have some greater purpose in the grand scheme of the universe. Sometimes they would try to talk to me. When they did, I usually freaked out, which meant whatever deep insight they had for me was completely lost in the shower of terrified shrieking that I sprayed at them. I have tried to settle down about it over the years, but I just can't seem to relax about it. 
As normal as these things are for me, it's still most likely a dead person talking at me. That's fucked up, even if it is normal. Darren saw one of my ghost people when we were first together. I thought it would be the end of our involvement, but it wasn't. Instead, he seemed to love it. He even named it. He called it the Blue Guy. It wasn't a particularly creative name, but it got his point across and confirmed that he did, indeed, see the same ephemeral blue creature hanging out in the corner of my apartment bedroom. Darren thought his presence meant that we were destined to be together. On my end, the validation was nice to have for once, and the whole romantic destiny thing seemed like a really sweet idea. At the time, it didn't seem weird that Darren was all a Twitter about the possibility of a supernatural romantic plot twist, but now it really does. I should have been the one who was fawning over fantasies. After all, I was biologically the girl in the relationship. Darren never saw any of the others that I know about. He heard several of them over the years. Those, of course, were some of the more terrifying ones that I can remember. I would know that someone was there, lurking around in the basement or outside the window. He would be dubious until some sort of repetitive thwacking or unidentifiable dragging sound would start. The most frightening ghost moment happened when we were still in school. We were in bed one night when I told him that there was someone running around the outside of our house. He got out of bed to look outside and said, You're imagining things. There's nothing out there. I can see it, I insisted. It's running in circles around the house. I think it wants in. I'm really afraid. Darren said, Don't worry about it. It's fine. The romance of the supernatural had apparently waned for him. It's not fine, I replied. It wants to come inside. The terror was building inside me as the human-sized thing stopped running long enough to stare directly at me through the window over Darren's shoulder. You're being ridiculous. Go to sleep, he said as he got back in bed and turned over. I couldn't lie down. I couldn't relax. I couldn't see the thing anymore because he ran from the window as soon as Darren started to move, but I could feel that he was there. I could feel that he was getting closer. He's coming to the door, I whispered loudly. As I spoke, the motion detector garage light clicked on as it did when something had walked by it. The doorbell let out a loud electric buzz. Darren shot upright and the buzzing stopped. Holy shit, he shouted as he threw his arms around me. We were both shaking. What the fuck? What the fuck was that? I told you, I whispered. I told you there's something out there. Shh, Darren hissed. It has to be a coincidence. The garage light turned off as it was supposed to when there was no movement to keep it activated. Whatever it was, it's gone by now, right? He whispered so quietly it was difficult to understand him. Maybe, I whispered back. Why don't you go check it out? The doorbell let out another long buzz, followed by two shorter buzzes, like whatever was out there was irritated that we hadn't answered the door. We both let out a little whimper. We have to look, I whispered. What if it's one of our neighbors? What if it's an emergency? Fine, Darren whispered back. You're right. Let's go together. We got out of the bed and crept slowly toward the back door. The kitchen window looked straight out onto the back doorstep and the short sidewalk between the house and the garage. There was nothing. Not a human, not a deer or a cat, not even trees reacting to a gust of wind that could be seen out there in the moonlight. It was dark and still. It was a beautiful night. Nights in Iowa were that way most of the time. Beautiful and eerily quiet. Darren grabbed the heavy flashlight we kept in the kitchen and slowly opened the door. 
There was nothing there that either of us could see. Darren slow-stepped out onto the steps. I'm going to check around, he said as he stepped cautiously down to the sidewalk. Great, I said back. I'm going to stay here. Let me know if you find anything. I knew that he wouldn't find anything. Whatever had been out there wasn't out there anymore. I couldn't feel it or see it. I just hoped that we hadn't let it in when we opened the door. There's nothing there, Darren said when he came back inside. That was really weird. Agreed. What do you think it was, he asked as he stepped up on one of our kitchen chairs to disconnect the doorbell. I have no idea, I said somewhat absently as I checked all of the other rooms for lurkers. That was weird, even for me. There was nothing to be found. We took ourselves back to bed and tried to sleep, but it didn't come easily. I never figured out what that strange dark thing was or why it was there, circling our house and asking to come in. It never came back, and nothing like that night ever happened again, although the doorbell did buzz faintly twice more that night even after it had been disconnected. As far as I know, Darren never forgot the events of that night, though he would try to minimize the story if I ever shared it with any of our friends. He never admitted to hearing or seeing much after that night. Every now and then, we would talk about the things that were around, but he seemed more and more detached from it. Ultimately, he started saying it was all a manifestation of my own fears rather than real things. He said I was just being paranoid. He even said more than once that they were all in my head and that he really didn't want to hear about it anymore. I don't know if he couldn't deal with it and shut it off, or if he never really saw the blue guy in the beginning and just lied to me because he wanted to get laid. Either way, I was alone with my ghosts again. 